Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee and the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Uh, the next Bible reading is from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. It's on page 832 in the Red Pew Bibles or on the screen behind me. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Friends, it's uh, good, great to be together. Uh, peace, what we all want for Christmas. Friends, just uh, going back a couple of years, uh, we were just coming out of COVID stress and lockdowns. On February the 24th, 2022, Russia invaded Ukraine and started bombing. War, death and destruction continues. On October the 7th this year, Hamas terrorists attacked Israel and killed more than 1,200 people. As a result, Israel has retaliated with brutal force and assault on Gaza. Close to 20,000 Palestinians have been killed, with 70% of them being women and children. The vast majority of Gaza's 2.2 million people are displaced. Estimated half face starvation. In Yemen, due to a civil war, millions of Yemenis continue to face the largest humanitarian crisis in the world, with more than half the population facing acute levels of food insecurity. In Sudan, 
Due to civil war, 10,000 people have been killed uh, up to October this year. 6,000, 12,000 others have been injured. Over 4.8 million people internally displaced and more than 1.3 million others have fled the country as refugees. I could go on. Peace, what we all want for Christmas. Friends, this Christmas we definitely need the Prince of Peace. We need peace on earth, we need peace within, and we need peace with God. And bring it a little bit closer to home rather than the war situations out there. Uh, for many of us, when we hit Christmas, Christmas highlights our sense of brokenness, our anxiety, our loneliness, our weariness, maybe broken relationships, serious illness, maybe grief. And some of you today are facing the first year, the first Christmas, without a dearly loved one, maybe a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter. Domestic violence increases during Christmas holidays. Marriages implode, depression skyrockets, and many in Australia are facing the effects of floods, and we are, I was going to say looking forward to bushfires, not quite looking forward to bushfires, but possibly expecting bushfires to come our way. And there's a sense in which we could uh, find some peace. I, I was at the shops this morning. We didn't have church this morning. It's an interesting situation. What do people do on a Sunday morning? They're out shopping. And they were buying their fish. They were buying their products. Uh, they were buying their alcohol. They were buying their drinks. A sense of downtime. It's fun time. And yet, in the midst of the downtime and the fun time, we realise that we need ultimate peace. You know, I... A picture of the Australian piece is this. Eat a big lunch, exchange your gifts, watch the cricket or play some cricket in the backyard, get some sleep in the afternoon, and maybe some peace at the beach. And some of you say, if only I could have that, <laughs> I'd be happy for a moment. Colin Buchanan wrote, uh, this Christmas, uh, I pray that the priceless peace won by God on earth, Jesus Christ, would be recovered and treasured by all who yearn for lasting joy. Sure, I'd like some nice fishing gear, but our family, our country, and our world is aching for something that hundreds of thousands of Aussies will actually be singing about this Christmas at the various carols events when they sing joy to the world, the Lord is come. And the coming of Christ into the world brings us that peace, but he comes, firstly, as a saving God. We've heard the story in that... Uh, in that presentation, that video, a little while ago. The God-man Jesus, God steps into human history, becomes a God-man, fully God, fully man. And when he arrived, the angels of the Lord appears at the hills of Bethlehem. And it's a message to a nation under the domination of a foreign power ruled by a tyrant king. They're under the Romans. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, the outsiders, the nobodies, that's who the shepherds are, keeping watch over their flocks at night, and God comes through his angels to the outsider, to the rejected, to the lonely, to the oppressed. And the angel appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified, as you would be, as I would be. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Friends, they've been waiting for centuries for this moment. When the Messiah would arrive on earth, the Prince of Peace, 
eternal God, a counsellor as Isaiah speaks about, the one who would bring an end to war and bring peace. They've been waiting for this Messiah to come. They misunderstood him, they were waiting for him. Now he has arrived. But what type of Messiah is he? What type of saviour is he? What type of rescuer? Will he simply eliminate the Romans? Will he establish a great military power in Israel? No. That's not why the Messiah came. The Messiah came as a suffering servant. The Messiah came to offer his body on a Roman cross to die in our place. Because he didn't come to deal with the Romans. He came to deal with our sins. And friends, the most important thing people need saving from is not war or terrorism, but rather they need saving from their sins. I don't know about you, but uh, a lot of people drive around and look at all the Christmas lights. That's an example of a picture. Uh, maybe you'll like that. As I got older, I can't be bothered anymore. Anyone like me? <laughs> I drive past them. I think it's too much work to get out and look at all of that. And I think the amount of work in all of that, some of these people, they must spend all year doing this. It looks brilliant, doesn't it? But then even with such beautiful uh, lights, uh, lights at houses, I read some statistics from America. It says it's a dangerous time of year, Christmas. Each year in the United States, emergency rooms treat about 12,500 people for falls, cuts and shocks related to holiday lights and decorations and Christmas trees. Add to this 11,600 candle-related fires each year. Watch those candles, right? That results in 150 deaths, 173 million in property damage. It's a dangerous time, Christmas, in more ways than one. But friends, the most dangerous thing about Christmas is to ignore Jesus, the Saviour. Why is that? If you have all the other fun and you ignore the person of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the identity of Jesus, the saving work of Jesus, then you forget that you need your sins forgiven, that you're not perfect. We are beautifully created in the image of God, but we are desperately flawed. I am desperately flawed. And I need a saviour who will offer me forgiveness of my sins and give me a relationship with God because I can't do it on my own. I love the fact that Australians uh, don't often realise how sinful they are and why they need Jesus. And uh, I remember walking through a shopping centre a little while ago and they were playing the song Amazing Grace. Think about the words of Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. A wretch, you're calling yourself, we sing it with great delight, we're calling ourselves wretches. That means we're sinful, we need help, we're desperate. We don't live up to the standards that we would love to live up to. We fall short of God's standards. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. He comes as a saving God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, what we deserve is death, but the Saviour comes at Christmas. He comes so he can offer us the free gift of eternal life if we trust in him. That's why John 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, you need to believe and to receive this Jesus and what he has done for you, and you can have eternal life. 
That has brought great comfort to many in our church this year. Only in the last couple of months, I've had to do six or seven funerals. People have lost loved ones. And again, we've reminded ourselves that our life on this earth is short. It may be 70 years or 90 for some. It may be only 20. But in light of eternity, it's short. But if we believe in Jesus, we can have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. That's great news this Christmas. Whoever does not believe, though, stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. If you ignore Jesus, you ignore the potential for salvation and for eternal life. Friends, this message is so important that we, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, mustn't be silent about it. We must share it gently and with love and compassion with our neighbours, our friends, our schoolmates, our work friends, our university colleagues. Whatever it happens to be, we have a message of good news that is great joy for all people. Friends, it's just by the sovereign mercy of God that I'm even here today to preach this message. When I was 11, I was at a swimming pool at Enmore Pool. And I, I was swimming, I was in year seven, I was uh, still at 11, 11 and a half years of age, and I wasn't a strong swimmer, and I remember this as if it was yesterday. I, and I, I got to the deep end of the pool, and I let go of the side wall to swim in and to swim back. And as I swam out, I panicked. And if you don't swim well and you panic, what happens is you start to go up and down, and even though I tried to get back to the side of the wall to save myself, I couldn't do it. And I remember distinctly, and it's, it seems like it was forever, but it's probably only about 15, 20 seconds. I was going up and down in the pool. I was falling under, back up, under, back up. Give me 60 seconds, I would have been gone at 11 years of age. But then as I looked to the side of the pool, I saw a young man standing there. He caught my eye, or I caught his. He wasn't sure whether I was just mucking around, as all these kids were doing in the pool, or whether I was in desperate need. He saw that I was in desperate need. He could have stayed there and let me drown. But he didn't. He jumped into the pool. Thankfully, he could swim. And I remember, as he came close to me, he put out his hand. As he put out his hand, I grabbed his hand. He swam to the side. I grabbed onto the wall as strong as I could and I climbed out. And I was saved. At the age of 14, after hearing about the message of Jesus and his love and his coming to earth and his death on a cross and his resurrection, victory and his offer of forgiveness and new life and, and power and meaning and purpose in life, it was as if God was putting out his hand to me. At the age of 14 and a half, I took it, received Jesus, my Lord and my Savior. All my sins are washed away, at peace with God. The promise of eternal life. The promise of the Holy Spirit coming to live in me, to help me live a whole new life in a whole new direction. And I took his hand and he saved me spiritually. But Jesus has come to save us. 
puts out his hand to you and he says, with love, take it. There's no other way to be saved. But secondly, he is a peacemaking God. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. Interesting that 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, those same hills in Bethlehem resound with the noise of bullets and bombs of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict today. Bethlehem, and I just checked it this week, is 74 kilometres from Gaza. 2,000 years later, blood continues to be spilled around the world in countless conflicts. What's a peace that the angels were speaking about? It's not just the end to war. That will come at the second coming of Jesus. War will cease, but not yet. But God was talking about peace between God and mankind, or humankind. He's talking about uh, what we call, the Old Testament calls shalom, which is the Hebrew word for peace. And shalom, uh, if I, it's up there on the screen, is one of the key words and images for salvation in the Bible. The Hebrew word refers most commonly to a person being uninjured and safe, whole and sound. People say, shalom, may you have a good day, may you be blessed by God, may you be healthy, may you be well, shalom. But in the New Testament, this whole idea of peace moves further. It's revealed as a reconciliation of all things to God through the work of Christ. God was pleased through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on heaven or on earth, things on earth, all things in heaven, by making peace, or shalom, through Christ's blood shed on the cross. It's Christ's death that enables us to now have peace with God and have shalom, a completeness of life. Do you want that? And shalom experience is multidimensional. It's complete well-being. It is physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It flows from uh, all of one's relationships being put right with God within oneself and with others. Jesus comes to bring shalom. Jesus comes to bring peace with God. He brings though peace to those on whom his favour rests. It's not automatic for everyone. To be under God's favour means you're part of God's people. And there's a call for each one of us to believe, to repent, to come to him. It's not as if Jesus died and therefore everyone gets saved and goes to heaven in the end. You have to respond to him, receive him. Romans 5.1 says we are being justified through faith we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith in Jesus, God declares you right, and you have peace with God. Friends, there's nothing like peace with God. There's nothing like a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. It may not seem, let's be honest, knowing Jesus may not seem as exciting as a new house, a new job, a new holiday, a new baby. A new career. Sometimes when we live on this earth, uh, these things seem much larger, much more exciting than having a, a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, when you get Jesus Christ, you get all the blessings that flow out of knowing him. Let me tell you a story. There's a wealthy older gentleman a number of years ago with a devoted son. And he was a famous art collector. In fact, he traveled around the world collecting famous artworks and buying them, priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and others. And they adorned the, uh, the family estate. The man was a widow, 
It's his only son. And his son enjoyed collecting these art collections as well. But then his son ended up going to war. Killed in battle. This man who has all these beautiful possessions has just lost his son. But a fellow soldier visited the father on Christmas Day. Picture this. On Christmas Day, he visits him. To tell him that his son died in the process of saving his life. And he said, your son served so many of us and saved so many lives in giving his. And in the process, he said, I painted your son. So he brought to the father a portrait, a painted portrait of his son. It wasn't that exciting, it wasn't a really good portrait, but it was clear it was his son, you could tell it was his son. And that's all he's got, right? His son is dead. And so he's got this beautiful portrait. And he hangs it up in a prime position in the house, above the fireplace. There are thousands of, other, thousands of dollars worth of paintings, but the one with prized possession was his son. A few years later, um, the, the father passed away, decided they were going to sell all his paintings. A great crowd had gathered for the paintings. Everyone wanted to see it, such great quality. They were keen. But the first, first painting they auctioned was the painting of the man's son. And all these great art collectors were turning up and thinking, what's this art, you know, this fellow's son? It's not a very good painting. And where are the others? And the guy says, I'm sorry, we've got to sell this one first. Well, we're not that interested. Uh, who's got any money for this one? And the, bidder, uh, the auctioneer said, do we have $100? the painting of the sun. No hand went up. No one put it up. Then an older guy said, listen, I knew the family. I've got $10 on me. I'm not an art collector like these other guys. Could I have it for 10 He said, we've got $10. Any increase on the 10 No hand, just $10. For this famous collector's son's picture. Going once going twice, sold for $10 to that man. And the auction is now over, he says. I said, what do you mean the auction is over? The father said, whoever gets the son, buys the son, gets it all. Whoever gets the son, gets it all. The auction is over. Let me tell you, sometimes Jesus doesn't look that exciting compared to the glossy things in our society to the money and the yachts and the holidays. But you get Jesus. You get forgiveness of sins. You get peace with God. And so it puts things in perspective, that story. It says, just as those art collectors discovered on that Christmas day, the message is still the same. There's the love of a father, a father whose greatest joy came from his son, who went away and gave his life rescuing others. And because of that father's love, whoever takes the son gets it all. Let me say, when you get Jesus, you receive peace with God, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the Holy Spirit to help you, help us in our daily lives. We're regarded as adopted children of God. We're heirs of God. The Bible says co-heirs with Christ. We're on our way to heaven. We have treasures in heaven. We get it all. I discovered that at the age of 14, that you get it all. Some of you discovered it at 8 or 10 or 30 or 50 or 60. Maybe you've never discovered that. I urge you to come to Christ, get Jesus, 
and get all that you're really looking for. And further, when we have peace with God, it transforms us and impacts all our relationships. God makes us peacemakers. See, if God is a peacemaker, it ought to overflow in the way we treat people. We offer our hand of love to everyone, to the atheists, to those of other religions, to those of other backgrounds. It doesn't matter who you are. You see, we are called to be like Jesus, offering peace and love and reconciliation. Let me conclude. We live in a troubled world, but Christians live in it at peace with God. For Jesus has saved and rescued us from our sins and he gives us everything. But friends, we also look forward to Jesus' return. We can't just end with his first coming. Because we're in the midst of war and uh, conflicts and things will get worse and then they'll get better then they'll get worse until Christ returns. And Revelation 21 says, there will be a brand new day. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. One day we will live at peace with God. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We live between the two comings. About 20 years ago, it was around the time of 9-11, I think, time of the Bali bombing and other such catastrophes. See, the world goes up and down, it gets better for a while, and then more things happen. And I was at the school spectacular at what was this uh, Sydney Entertainment Centre. Knocked it down there. I was there because one of my daughters was playing a recorder up in the crowds with everyone else, right? I could see her up there somewhere. But as I was listening to the songs, we came to the final song. And as someone who's a follower of Jesus, uh, these things, the great entertainment, great dancers, great singers, it's amazing performances by, at the School Spectacular. But then I was listening into this really loud song, their final song we finished up with. And I went, I think it's Christian. In a public setting with thousands of people. I think they're singing about Jesus. And it was a song by, called There Will Come a Day by Faith Hill. And I didn't know who Faith Hill was, I do now. Um, but I, I was led to the words, and let me read some of them. Because, friends, as we struggle with peace and conflict in the world, there will come a day, the second coming, when all will be made right. So it's not easy trying to understand how the world can be so cold, stealing the souls of man, cloudy skies rain down on all of your dreams. You wrestle with the fear and the doubt. Sometimes it's hard, but you've got to believe. And the Sydney Entertainment Center, filled with thousands of non-Christians, they are then saying, there's a better place where our Father waits, where every tear he'll wipe away. The darkness will be gone, the weak shall be strong. Hold on to your faith, there will come a day. And then it continues, wars are raging, lives are scattered, innocence is lost and hopes are shattered. The old are forgotten, the children are forsaken. In this world we're living in, isn't anything sacred? There's a better place where our Father waits, and every tear he'll wipe away. The darkness will be gone, the weak shall be strong. Hold on to your faith, there will come a day. The songs will ring out down those golden streets. The voices of earth, the angels will sing. Every knee will bow. Sin will have no trace in the glory of his amazing, amazing grace. Every knee will bow, sin will have no trace in the glory of his amazing grace. 
There will come a day, there will come a day, oh, there will come a day, oh, there will come a day. There's coming a day, coming a day. The day is coming. Christ will return to take all those who have been waiting for him, trusting in him, loving him, to spend eternity with him. We live between the two comings of Jesus. War, conflict, but Christ offers us shalom. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us peace. May God help us to trust him, to celebrate him, and to rejoice in all that he gives us. Friends, before I close, let me say, if you wanted to uh, read some more about the message of Jesus, just in the foyer, we have a big table there with some free resources, some materials for children, as well as this little book for adults, Why Christmas, by Nicky Gumbel. Some New Testaments, a part of the Bible, so you can read the Bible for yourself. Feel free to take some for yourself. If you want to give some to some friends, some family over this Christmas season, feel free to do that as well. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to be born as a man on this earth, leaving the glory of heaven to live amongst us, fallen, rebellious creatures, in order that you would show your amazing grace where Christ would die in our place, where he would defeat death, he would defeat Satan, and he would defeat sin by his resurrection from the dead and give us the hope of eternal life. God, we thank you that you put out your hand and invite us to take hold of your hand, find friendship and forgiveness and fellowship. Help us to love you, to trust you, to worship you. There is no God like you. Amen.